We've been spending a few weeks talking through um, prayers that were really guided inward and prayers of examination, not only for us to examine, but God to examine us. We're going to take a little bit of turn into another section of of, uh, uh, types of prayers that allow us to strengthen what uh, some would refer to as this vertical connection between us and God. Uh, Our horizontal relationships are human to human. This is this divine to human, uh, creator to created relationship. Now, I don't want to carry that... um, that metaphor too far of, of, of upward in terms of God just being up there, but it helps us. It helps us focus on this idea of being close with God. I think if I pray anything, I don't pray anything more for us as a church than that we would be close to God. That, that's our lives come out of that. Our ability to minister and to care for others and, and to, to point people to Jesus, not to ourselves, not to our church, but to Jesus. There's a passage of Scripture in James, in James 4, and uh, the first part of verse 8. And it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Now, um, in the ESV, I believe it is, there, there is the word draw. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I really like that connotation there. If you look at the context of where that piece of scripture lands, James is really talking about uh, not only the idea of humility, but the idea of surrender and the idea of giving ourselves, sacrificing our lives before God. And here is what, um, there's not only um, ways that he exhorts us, encourages us to do that. What I love about this passage of scripture and what we read about in that section of James is that there is a promise. There is a promise of God's not only willingness, but God's ability to draw near to you. Anybody ever feel far away from God or feel like God is far away from us? This promise tells us as people who as disciples of Jesus follow Jesus with all of our heart, what God says is, you draw near to me, I'm going to draw near to you. That is a promise that helps us as we learn to devote our lives to practices that aren't just about doing, but nurture. They're they're pathways that put us in the place of receiving God's grace in greater ways. None of this, none of these prayers are about earning God's favor. None of these actions that we've been talking about, none none of it is about us working our way close to God. But it is simply putting ourselves in places where we are willing to hear from God and adore God and acknowledge God for all that he is and all that he's done. I mentioned last week this um, measurement of a disciple that we want to continue to focus on, one of them, and that's knees devoted to prayer. Prayer is such, um, such a place for us to know God as creator, as, as created beings, for us to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Redeemer, because we are people who need salvation. Amen? All of us. But it's also a place for us to learn and know the Spirit of God. 
the Holy Spirit who is our counselor. Because you and I, we need direction. No matter how much we think we have things figured out, even from experience, is that God knows, the Holy Spirit knows greater than we do. Before we move further, I want to pause for just a moment and whether today, maybe for some of you, is, is a first time of really thinking specifically about what it means to relate or have a relationship with God through Jesus. What I want to tell you is lean in. I know it's scary. I know it may seem weird. I know you're wondering this or that or whatever. But I'm telling you, if, if God, if the Holy Spirit is tapping your heart today to lean in and explore what a relationship with Jesus is more about, I just want to tell you, lean in, okay? You have many around you who have been where you're at today. And you're thinking, I'm not sure if this whole church thing, it's not a church thing, it's a Jesus thing. Okay? Church is an outgrowth of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, as scared as you may be today, as nervous as you may uh, about becoming a religious person, all I want to tell you is listen today for what Jesus wants to speak to you through his spirit. For those of you that have walked this path, those of you who have many different ways and times looked to God, Today is another opportunity for us, another opportunity for us to draw near and draw close. We're going to do that by looking at a passage of Scripture, which is uh, most often read uh, this Sunday of the year, and so I'd like us to go there. It's Mark 11, is one account of this particular setting uh, in Scripture. Um, Mark 11, beginning in verse 1. Mark says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden, and tie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. This is a passage that is typically read this time of year because it is the original setting of Palm Sunday. That beginning of the last week of Jesus' life where Jesus comes in to the town, the city of Jerusalem. It's a story perhaps you've heard read many a time before. 
I want us to look at a very particular part of this story today. And I'll, I'll be very frank with you. I hadn't planned on using this text for this message today. But it captures something in the crowd that I think is going to help us with the idea of prayer of adoration. Triumphal entries into the city by kings were not uncommon. A king went out on a conquest, he had a victory, he came back in. It was a very similar scene to what we just saw right here, or read about right here. He was victorious. People came out and cheered him on. Their king had won another victory. See, it was a victory for them because he was their king. And so when he went out and fought, kept them from having to do it, he came back in, they celebrated that. But it was done in such a way where the king just took it all in. He received it all. He was not humble. He was not um, reluctant to receive. No, he was chest out, chin up, taking it all in. It was part of the great thing of being a king. And so some this day perhaps gathered just out of curiosity. But when they saw a man particularly a man that they've been hearing about that's been stirring up a lot of trouble against the Roman government, against the religious leaders, on a donkey. Now, you all know what a donkey looks like, right? That is not a fierce animal, all right? That is the lowliest of those types of creatures. That's the animal that my, my girls, when they were little, oh, they're so cute. They're so, you know, I mean, it, it's not... We, have, we are victorious. No, that's not it. And so if they came in curiosity, they were very disappointed. But some came knowing who Jesus was. Some came knowing and expecting not what Jesus had necessarily done to be their victory, but what was about to happen. You see, some had been following Jesus very, very closely. And his entry into the city for them, was the sign that he was about to take over. He was about to battle the Roman government, and he was about to become king. Now, their idea how that was going to happen, you may know, was nothing like the way it happened. He still battled. It was still physical. And he won. But it was not at all like they expected. But I want you to turn your attention to the crowd. It's a very political scene right here. I mean, there's, there's people there that were not adoring Jesus. They were there because they were looking for an opportunity to kill him. But there's this word that was shouted out that we read, Hosanna, followed by blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, they were expecting Jesus to be their long-promised Messiah. For some, they had lost all hope, and here he comes. It doesn't matter if he's on a donkey, but we are going to adore him because he is our true king. And so they took what was a very prominent piece of clothing, and they threw it out. You didn't just throw your cloak out, but they threw it out. They sacrificed that. They were throwing branches out. They were waving branches I imagine some of them even on their knees as they're shouting, blessed be the name of the Lord. John Piper, a pastor and theologian and author of a lot of books, 
who I really appreciate his perspective on things, he talks about this word Hosanna. You see, this was a scene of adoration. But he talks about this word Hosanna. And he said, what's interesting about this word, the original intention and meaning of this word, actually in culture at that time, is that Hosanna was a word that could be translated into something like, save us please. It was a cry. It was a, a desperation plea. And he said what's interesting as, um, as time has passed, and even in the retelling of this story, this phrase, this word, excuse me, has taken on new meaning in the life of a Christ follower. And so for many there, I would imagine it carried both of these meanings. And the new meaning or the, the, um, the different meaning is more about not come save us, but salvation is here. You see the difference? The one is, oh please, oh could you just care for us enough? The other one is, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. In fact, you've already done it. And so it's, a, it's no longer just a cry. It is a confidence. It is a confidence that salvation is in the man of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to step back out to the crowd again. What would you have cried if you were standing there or called out? Would you have gotten caught up in the hustle and bustle? Because we as humans get caught up in that stuff, don't we? Our emotions can take over and our, our, our need for experience. I mean, can we relate today? Things are shiny. Things are attractive. That wasn't what was going on there. But we get caught up into things, particularly in large crowds. I see such a parallel with our culture today because our culture is mesmerized and I'm as guilty as the next person. We're mesmerized as more and more come. Whether we're a public person or a private person, there's something, isn't there, that sways us when it's shiny, when it is big, when it is wow, and it feeds on our emotions. I'd love to say the church has never gotten caught up in this. But we all know better, don't we? I think one of the things that God continues to weigh on my heart, and I know the heart of much of the staff right now and leaders of this church, is that we don't want to become a place of production. We don't want to become a place where everyone just gathers because it's just the place to gather once a week. It's the, the thing to do, and we make it as shiny, and we make it as mesmerizing, and we make it as alluring as possible because there's something in every one of us there's this insatiable desire that says I want to be a part of something more I want to be a part of something bigger than me and just think about it for a moment think beyond the church think about all the places and culture that people chase that now I'm not going to mention because I'll probably offend most of everybody in here because we all are part of those things at different times they're not inherently evil they're not bad things but it raises the question, who do we adore? How do we adore? And let's step back into the church for a minute. Is adoration resolved 
to a song. If you came in here on a Sunday morning and one of us pastors came up and said, we're going to adore God today, but we're not going to sing a song. We're going to pray. Boy, that would stretch us, wouldn't it? In fact, not just I'm going to pray or one of the pastors or one of the elders is going to pray. We're going to pray. Now, I don't say that just to create shock and awe or something different, but it goes to the deeper principle of how do we adore? Because our culture adores by big, by shiny, by mesmerizing, by experience, by emotions. That's how our culture adores. And we do that a lot too. But what if God says, I want your adoration of me to be uniquely personal? In other words, it may not be a crowd. I want it to be not primarily for others, but for me. And maybe others will see it, maybe you're not. Maybe you'll be alone in doing it. Maybe there'll be no one else around you. I want you to adore me with meaning. I want you to adore me with sincerity. And I want you to adore me not just in one setting. I want you to adore me wherever you go, wherever I am. Wherever your story intersects my story, that's where I want you to adore me. It's easy to adore when we're together, isn't it? It's easy to adore when things are going well. When those things aren't there and other things aren't there, it's tough. But I think God says to us more than ever, I want you to adore then as much as you do when things are good and the crowd is big and there's a lot of people around you encouraging you on. That's why I believe the prayer of adoration or adoration prayer is so rich. It it is the soil for overall the seed of adoration in our lives. In other words, if you want to grow in adoration of God, and I hope you do, if you're not there, I hope you'll get there at some point, but prayer is the soil that that seed will grow in. It's, it's not something that if you do it, you will um, uh, automatically be closer to God. No, but it is the place of grace, that place of prayer. I want to look at two, very, uh, two things briefly about how we can adore God in prayer. And the first one has to do with one that I actually think many of you, us as a church, do pretty well. And it's adoration prayer as thanksgiving And I'm not talking just the holiday, you know. But in thanksgiving, the focus of that adoration is on giving glory to God for what he's done for us. What I so have appreciated about Foster's book, and this chapter especially, is he's helped me on this one. Because I thought, adoration, okay, it's praise, but it's, and and he's really um, brought us, for me, two very clear definitions. This first one being that part of our adoration is thanksgiving. Thanking God for all the things that he's done for us. Some of them very tangible, some of them maybe not. Look at Ephesians 5.20. Apostle Paul says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to teach kids how to ask for things, do we? Okay, we're going to sit you down and we're going to talk about how to ask for things. No, we don't have to teach them that. But what we do have to teach them is how to say, thank you. I don't think we're all that different, even as adults. 
It's easy to go to God and go to God and go to God and ask him for things. And you know what? He says, bring it on. He's glad. He likes it. That's who he is as God. But at some point in the process, as we grow in this vertical relationship with God, to draw close to him, it is a time of thanks. Now, here's how this challenges me. I'd like to think that I thank God for things. But there's two things that I do that I want to get out of the rut of doing. And the first one is this. The first one is I'm often thanking God for what's going on right now. Usually because he's just answered a prayer for me. Or he's done something that I wanted him to do. And so, thank you God. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm trying to challenge myself and move myself to think about God. Thank God for things that he did five years ago in my life. That he did ten years ago in my life. To thank God beyond the moment. Because we are a society of the moment, right? Everything right now. And I think one of the ways we grow in our adoration of God is we say, no, I'm going to thank God for the past. I'm going to thank him for that thing he did 15 years ago in my life. And it has has been a catalyst for where I am with God and, and loving others right now. The other thing is the future. And you know what's beautiful about the future? Is you say, well, I don't know what's going to happen. How do I thank God? You know what? There is a Bible full of promises. And God says, if they haven't been accomplished yet, guess what? They're happening. So we can thank God for what is to come. Even though we may not know specifically what that looks at, look like, looks like we can thank God for the future and what he has for us in eternity. It's not just about right now. It's about the past. It's about the future. Psalm 130 verse 3 says this, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Here's the other piece for me, is I tend to be a person who thanks God for all the material things, not only the now, but the material. God, thank you for giving me food today. God, thank you for keeping me safe today. All great prayers, nothing wrong with those at all, and we should be continuing to pray those. But have you ever been around someone who's just received or gotten this great big lavish thing? Oh, I am so grateful to God for my great, big, new, shiny, whatever. It's kind of a humble brag. It is a humble brag. And, and one of the things I want to challenge myself with is, am I thanking God for spiritual blessings as well as material blessings? We should thank God for material blessings. And if you want to thank him for the big, new, shiny, whatever, rock it out. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only thing we thank God for, and people, we never speak to God, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit counseling me. That's a spiritual gift. And for me, that's how I'm trying to balance more. I'm trying to figure that out. So I don't know whether for you it's, it's about just the now or just the material, but there's a ways about how we can, we can be thankful in prayer of adoration. Here's the way I think about it. You guys, most of you have been into a woods and you've been on a trail. A lot of people like the trail. I like the trail. It's nice to have a trail. You don't have to think a lot. You just keep following the trail, the path that's already been in there. Some would say, don't get off the trail because if you get off the trail, it's not very safe. You could get into all kinds of things. There's truth to that. But here's what happens in my prayer life. I walk the trail. 
I walk the trail that I've walked for 20 years at times in my prayer. And I go back to the trail. When I don't know what to pray, I go back to the trail. Because it's easy, because it's comfortable. I don't have to exert a whole lot, and I can get somewhere. Now, I want to say, if you're on the trail, you're on the trail. That's good. It's good you're not sitting on the couch. You're on the trail. You're praying to God. But here's what I am trying to do in my prayer life, is I am trying to love God more so that I can love others more by going off the trail sometimes. It's not as easy to pray differently than I'm used to praying. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. And when you're standing in front of hundreds of people, it can be really awkward. Now, most of you don't have a place in front of this many people. That's not a bad thing. But I want to encourage you, wherever God has you, is that you would, at times, break out of just what the familiar prayer of thanksgiving is. Thank Him for the food. Thank Him for the things that you maybe can't see right in front of you too. Second piece of this adoration has to do with praise. In praise, we give glory to God for who he is in himself. So in thanksgiving, we give thanks uh, for who, what he has done. In praise, we give adoration and prayer for who he is in himself. In other words, his, his character. Did you know that no matter what God gives you, there's evidence of his character in that? In other words, sometimes we receive things from God and the things we receive are like, hey, cool, this worked out, this happened, this, this uh, resolved itself. Look, 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 because behind every one of those is part of God's character. Even on the very basic level, it's his goodness or his grace that has given that to you. And so never miss a blessing, never miss an opportunity to praise when you look at God's character. And let's go back to the trail for a minute. What happens when you go off the trail? You've got thicket, don't you? You've got thorns. You've got those trees that have come down that nobody cleared off the path for you. And so it requires sacrifice. It requires energy. It requires more of your time. Because you come upon that log and you have to decide, how am I going to get over it? How am I going to get under it? But I've got to keep moving forward. And so my prayer life, I'm off the path at times. I'm trying to be. It's so hard. And it's requiring more of me. But I think that's what praise is about. Praise is not about comfort. Praise is not about familiar. Praise is not about easy. It can be all of those things. But look at Hebrews 13, 15. Continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips, of lips that confess his name. And so if you find yourself in a rut in your prayer life right now, I'm encouraging you, get off the path. Pray ways that you have never prayed before. There's a quote, uh, and sorry um, for those of you doing slides, if you go back to the quote, I want to share this quote by a man named Ole Housby. When I give thanks, my thoughts still circle about myself to some extent. But in praise, my soul ascends, great image, to self-forgetting adoration, seeing and praising only the majesty and power of God, his grace and redemption. 
There's one other way that I'm trying to pray with adoration in ways that are not on the path. And it has to do with language. You know, we have for a little over a year now been um, um, offering up prayers on Sunday morning, uh, many of which that have been prepared before time. And I know it's been a struggle, okay? Many of you have talked to me and you've just said, I, I just, they just seem rote, they seem all of this. I get it. I've struggled with them too. I don't know that there's anybody who hasn't struggled with them. The point in all of that has been to lead us into deeper places of prayer, to get us off the trail. Because I'll tell you, as someone who is, is praying a lot publicly, I tend to just walk the trail. But what these prayers have done for me is they have helped me find a whole new language to address and adore God. When I first became a Christian, the greeting Father God became, for whatever reason, very meaningful to me. Very meaningful in the way that I addressed God in prayer. And for years, I would never address God in prayer in hardly any other way except Father God. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But what these prayers have done for me is that they have helped me see how to address God in new ways, which is adoration. God of compassion and mercy. He's still Father God. But that's, that's pushed me. That's challenged me. And I know, I know the rub for us is, well, when somebody prays that, and that's not, I'm not familiar with that, then I'm not sure what to do with that. Do something with it. Okay, do something with it. Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Or, mm, I don't know if I'd use that. But, but think about it. Because the whole approach to written prayers, prepared prayers, is that not that it gets read verbatim just to get us through something. It is to be taken by those who are preparing and let that nurture their prayer life so that when we come together, we are we are leading in another, each other, not just along the tra trail, but in new depths of the forest. And we'll see things in God that we will not see on the trail, church. And so I don't say that to, to, because I know it's a struggle. I have personally struggled with this. You ask Josh and Matt, they'll tell you, I've struggled with this. But I love what's happening. I love how it's teaching us about the greater character of God that I have not been seeing on the trail. And so I'm asking as people lead in prayer, as we pray in adoration, stretch yourself. Draw near to God that way. He will draw near to you. Because what adoration and praise does is it nurtures a life of devotion. Psalm 100, let me finish with this. Enter his, thanks, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So I'd like everybody to pull, get into the bulletin. And if you do not have a sheet, you can use something else. But I'd like you to pull the sermon in sheet out. And if you do not, if you need one of those, I may need somebody to go out and get some other bulletins. Because um, I'd, I'd like everybody to do this. And there are pencils on, if you need a pencil and you're in your row, just throw your hand up and they'll get a pencil down to you. Because I want everybody to have a pencil. And we're going to do something this morning. Instead of me leading us in a prayer of adoration, you all are going to write your uniquely personal, responsive, meaningful prayer of adoration to God. 
So get your stuff ready, and I want to do one more thing before we move into that time. This thing has so been in my way. You're saying, Dan, where do I start? Start with a thanksgiving, okay? Maybe think about a, a, a material blessing as well as a spiritual blessing. But then offer a praise. Write it in your own words. Don't look for words. This is between you and God. I'm not going to call you up here and ask you to read in front of the entire church, okay? You and God. But I want you to write from your heart a thanksgiving and a praise. So before you do that, one more thing with me. Go back to the entry of Jesus. He's on the donkey. People are throwing cloaks. They're throwing branches. They are hands up. They are shouting Hosanna. Make this prayer as if you were standing on the side and Jesus is coming in, not to the city of Jerusalem. He's coming in to your places. He's coming into your spaces, your neighborhood, your job. You see, Jesus is not to be kept here. Jesus is something, he is one who walks with us. And so I want your prayer of adoration, as John Piper says, to be uh, your personal Hosanna as Jesus walks into your life and your stories and your places. That's how you make it personal. That's how you adore God. You've got a lot to write. Get to it.